Is this an episode of The Vinyl Preacher? Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, this is your weekly podcast where we talk about the Bible and make a playlist. I'm Michael Pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Los Angeles, California. And I'm Zach Harris. I'm the pastor of Lutheran Campus Ministry at the University of Colorado Boulder. And Matt, I just want to take a moment to say hello to our family, <laughs> to our friends, <laughs> to all of our listeners. And that's it. That's all the people I want to say hello to. <laughs> Shout out uh, to the guys over at Are You Talking R.E.M., R.E.M.E., who have inspired us. Inspired us. We're going to try not to rip you off too much, but uh, know that we do it out of love. It's out of love. You got to check it out. Even if you don't love R.E.M., or even if you don't love you too. The first hour and a half, you don't need to know anything. You'll only be bored for like 30% of the podcast. It's great. (laughs) Oh, Matt, how great was Coachella, huh? (laughs) How great was it by the time this podcast comes out? We will have had the experience. We went to the hospital once, uh, but everything turned out okay. That actually happened. uh, When last year we were, Kevin uh, Sumner Eisenbrand and I went to Coachella. Uh, you'll remember because I, I like to go to Coachella with hospice chaplains. <laughs> Just in this, case. Um, <laughs> but somehow it seemed inappropriate, so I decided to go with a pastor of uh, young people. So maybe it'll be more helpful to have a campus pastor along. <laughs> but Kevin uh, punched a, a, like a palm tree within the first five minutes and was bleeding and had to go to the <laughs> tent. So just, just be aware of the things that happen. Wow. What, what did I the palm another, tree do to Kevin? I have another story about myself that <laughs> he just punched. I don't know. He was excited. He was excited. I, I told you on about it. He was even more excited. But uh, oh. I have another story that I will not share on air about myself because uh, things happen. Things happen at Coachella. You know, the desert within within the scriptures, Matt, within the biblical text, it's a mystical place. It's, a, it's one of those oh. thin places in which we encounter God. And sometimes when you encounter God, it doesn't go good. Uh, <laughs> that's what we should do we should do the weirdest desert stories <laughs> yes yes we should oh yeah so we're gearing up though we're gearing up and uh next week maybe the next week you'll get to hear uh all about our experiences at coachella it'll be great uh it'll be theochella we'll be uh thinking theologically but also making playlists Probably with these artists, uh, many of which we've never heard of, but we'll discover them. Matt, before we, we get too far down the Coachella hole, uh, listeners have not heard my report back from uh, the pilgrimage I took over Holy Week to uh, Holden Village for the, the other first Coachella. Time. The other Holden Coachella, Village. Holden Village. Very similar. Wilderness. It was lovely, Matt. It was lovely. I guess that's all I really have. You, you've never been there before. What did I've you never been before. Uh, I'm into it. I think, I mean, they weren't serving any Kool-Aid, so I didn't get to drink any. Um, (laughs) So it's not like I've had the Kool-Aid, but I get it. I like it. I've always had issues with camps, deep personal issues with camps. You you worked at a camp. I did work at a camp. Um, And they're not really from my time working at camp. Uh, It's just that like my... Mountaintop? Is it the mountaintop thing? I don't like the mountaintop thing, which doesn't fit my theological perspective very much. Also, I don't like... The idea that having young adults work uh, as counselors at camps is the, the ELCA's best, most effective way to do ministry with young adults uh, and college students. I think we can do better than that, and that's not ministry. That's just taking advantage of people's labor, and they get paid incredibly little. Uh, and oftentimes it's super stressful. I actually, like, in my position, I'm going to try to be as like nice as possible and not 
be finger pointy at particular places, but I've been in a number of contexts, uh, not just here in Colorado. I find myself in conversations helping students put some pieces back together after what was uh, either a mountaintop experience that doesn't carry over to life on campus or what was super stressful. Lots of times the counselors only get 24 hours off from a super intense 24 hour a day job to two and a half months. Um, I don't think that's healthy. And yeah. like, if that's the way we do ministry with young adults and students, what about students who don't particularly have skills or gifts for working with children? You know, we shouldn't all have to work at the lab school. At least that's what I told myself every day when I walked to the lab school my senior year. Uh, we shouldn't all have to work here, but. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. That's, gosh. Yeah, you have such a, a different experience with that, but an important one. We'll see. I have a, I have a, a, a young a college student uh, working at camp this summer, so we'll see when she comes back. Uh, maybe I'll get that earful yeah. <laughs> that you've that you've had. I've always been I've I've been impressed when I've been up at camp that uh, just the leading in front of people that that these young people are able to do that I would not have done at that age. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, I came back thinking uh, this should be required for seminarians because it's the kind of work that I have to do on a weekly basis, much more so than anything I did in, in CPE. So I don't know. I wonder. I don't know. Well, what I liked about Holden is I think he got that part, but more, first, clearly more intergenerational, a helpful vision for the way we might, like, if, if, if so much of the work that we do with college students around vocation is about helping them reframe what their lives might look like, a part of the problem with the mountaintop thing is it's so dissonant from the way the rest of the world works when you come home from camp. And and Holton, I think, based on my five days in camp or in the village, uh, is in some ways a vision of what life could look like. It's it's a uh, continuously inhabited place. Um, Do you think that Sunday worship can be like a kind of mountaintop experience? Like there are ways in which like Sunday worship can be so divorced from like what we experience when we walk out the door and then how do we what do we do with that like because it's a similar way sometimes how we think about worship like well here's a vision right like everyone gets enough at the table and like we we paint this vision we live into this vision of worship and then we go out into this broken world again yeah absolutely (laughs) do you think it's a similar pattern and like some of the same challenges i think so yeah i mean i think that's yes i completely (laughs) agree (laughs) um yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a part of programmatically, at least here in Boulder, the way campus ministry works is Sunday morning or night is not the, the, the focal part of our week, but it's that Tuesday night where we come together and have a community meal and conversation that we truly try to live into living together. I think maybe a challenge for the the church in North America going forward is in part recognizing the kind of segmentation of life that we have inherited and built for ourselves where church is a Sunday morning thing doesn't work and is falling apart. But the really scary, terrifying thing, I think, uh, for those of us who who are formed in that kind of a church is that the future, the way that, that God is calling us to live more faithfully, I think, is to like actually take seriously living together, not just on Sunday morning, but day after day. And I'd feel more comfortable just seeing people on Sunday morning than having to deal with all these jerks every day. Because I can be mean to the people the rest of the time. Monday to, <laughs> Monday to Saturday, random people I can be mean to, but having to live in an actual community is a lot of work, so no thanks. But I like your... Matt, you're hitting on the things I want to hit on today. Uh, I will say uh, I got to see them setting up for setting their uh, vigil fire, which is worth saying... 
uh, at Holden Village. They were we didn't get to stay because we left on Good Friday. I've got a good Good Friday story, uh, but I saw them running the wire and practicing sending the fireball down the wire to set because they they run a Whoa. wire to the top of a building and they shoot a fireball down over everybody's head to light the vigil fire. That's so um, crazy. Believe Ben Stewart started that, and uh, really cool to see it get set up. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see it. The best Good Friday story I have is that, uh, I don't know if you remember, Matt, but in the dining hall there at Holden Village, um, I like that you all have to eat together. That's, that's a thing of our community. I like that if you want to eat, you have to eat together. But there's a like a 15-foot like old wooden alpine horn on the wall that evidently had been there since like the 60s, like on the wall. And one of our students who doesn't have like good boundaries or filters just directly went up and found someone and asked if he could take it off the wall and then promptly took it off the wall. And we took it outside because one of our students is a trumpet performance major. And on like the dock there, a beautiful day, Snowcap Mountains on Good Friday, uh, this 15-foot alpine horn, she played Amazing Grace. No notes. Shut there up. are no notes on the alpine horn. Check it out on the Facebook. Maybe I'll put it on the Vinyl Preacher Facebook and website. Um, but... Super cool. The horn was a little not awesome because it's been on a wall for like 60 years. Um, but super impressive that Jesse could do that because, again, it's not a trumpet. It aren't little horns. It's just a just a horn. Yeah. Right. Incredible. Wow. And you got a video of it. I got a video of it. It's going to be on the Internet. <laughs> but, Matt... The segue I was hoping to make. You said that being a camp counselor would be more helpful to you than your experience in CPE, which I don't disagree with necessarily. Uh, but another podcast, we're going to talk, this is a podcast about podcasts. Uh, we're like a companion podcast. If you want to listen to other podcasts that are companions to TV shows, we'll be a companion to the companion. Uh, John Green has a new podcast out called The Anthropocene Reviewed. Uh, and in the most recent episode, he talked about his experience, basically, of CPE, of being a chaplain in a hospital, in a children's hospital, which is the worst idea you could have had, John, possibly. I know we both listened to it, Matt. What do you take away from John's? You got to listen to it, listen to it. But the really brief version of what happens is he tells this really terrible story of uh, a child coming in uh, with severe burns into the ER and the doctor's not thinking that the kid's going to make it uh, and having to sit in that room with the kid's parents um, and him being an idiot just like the rest of us are on CPE at, at 23 years old and not having anything to say to these people and that that was the reason he dropped out of div school or seminary. It was one beautiful, I cried. I happened to be listening to it while I was pulling uh, um, dandelions out of my yard. The first half was on the dumbness of... of lawns um on grass yeah uh what do you got man yeah it was intense i mean i thought that um yeah it was it's hard to know what to well here's my hot take i'll give you it's my not hot a, take. it's not a, okay i'll give you <laughs> you can give your hot take i i found it to be one of those things that it's hard to comment on because it was almost it was it was so powerful right like he named this experience and did it in a pretty no nonsense kind of a way and just laid it out there and there's there's no there's no way to fix that right there's no like mm -hmm. flowery words that i could say to like um well let me make sense of this for you like there's just nothing you can really no. i feel like there's nothing you can really do there i thought that the but i think i guess what was interesting about it was well not the only thing that was interesting but one thing that was interesting to me was that um yeah like this is why he left seminary he, he experienced like just one of the most painful things you can see and experience in the world. But these, these things happen like 
every single day, right? It's just like he got to be up close and see it. And what's our response to that? Like, how do we live in the midst of that? And what's, and, and I think each of us has like a different vocation in that world, right? Um, John Green has gone on to write these phenomenal um, young adult novels uh, and do a whole lot of other things too, but decided that the way he was going to contribute was not to keep doing, like keep be, being present for things like that, right? Um, and that's okay, right? That's not like he was like, yeah, like that's, that's where he was led from. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's funny. You're like how each of us, how our, our, our young seminary selves, uh, don't know what to say. I mean, even as a pastor with almost seven years of experience now, I still like, right. Like you still, like you do the best you can on the surface, but underneath you're like, holy shit, like this is fucking insane. You know? So I don't know. What was your, what's your hot take? My hot take is that he, the line that he said actually was that it was that experience that let me know I was not cut out for the clergy. And my response to that, I think, is to say I, I don't I don't think that was the case. I don't think our response to that to that these the stuff that happens every day, but it, with this unspeakable pain and stuff, is not doesn't mean there's not a class of people, a clergy out there. I don't think. Um, who get into those moments and think this is it this is really what I like I think I would have had a really similar response to John if I had been put in that situation uh, I got off of the hook easy I didn't have much of that in the situation in which I uh, served but I don't think it means that I wasn't cut out that if I did have that experience I don't think it means that I was, wasn't cut out for the the clergy so the part of John's stuff that, I, that I'm interested in like teasing out a bit is is his vision of what the clergy might be because I'd like argue that, that so much of John's work, uh, at least the stuff that's really popular, uh, The Fault in Our Stars, is him spending a hell of a lot of time in that place and inviting people into that place. Yeah. So I guess I just want to push back on the idea that clergy somehow, what made me connect with it so much was that, was, was how he described the intensity of feeling the pressure to, to, to have like some sort of not even answer because I knew intellectually I've known intellectually that I don't have I'm not supposed to have an answer and I don't have it um, but the pressure to fix something in that space that all the time that I spent uh, uh, out at the hospital of Berwyn all my anxiety was uh, with Matt we had an all-star group John Vihar, Matt Holmes that's why it wasn't very intense we just got in trouble all the time um, which is probably what I needed at the time um but incredibly anxious, intense. But it was all like it was all about me. I think all of my anxiety and tension yeah. was like I'm going to get right. there and not know what to do. Don't put me in that situation. It had nothing to do with the the, ter- the the people for whom these terrible things were happening. Yeah, because he was. I mean, he did say like he didn't have the faith for it or something. I was like, I I don't know that I have more faith. Like there are probably people in my congregation that have more faith than I do on any given day. Give it a listen, listeners. Let us know what you think, and let's see if we can get John back into seminary. <laughs> the lucrative that's the weirdest thing do you know like one of our I don't, I don't know if this is true on your letter of call it's true on my letter of call like like in the ELCF constitution like one of your jobs is to like encourage people to prepare for the ministry of the gospel like you're supposed to be recruiting people like it's in my letter of call and I I always find it so like even when I think like man I should really and I've, I've told a couple of the kids but like but it's like man 
part of me wants to be like, yeah, yeah, we need more people doing this. And part of me wants to be like, run away. <laughs> like, do not. There you have so many better options. <laughs> uh, more important than my letter of call, Matt, uh, the Lily Endowment uh, has, has asked me to do that. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. so, yeah, I'm on board. I'm completely on board. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. For us fours, I think it's pretty easy to, to find the, all the problems that, are with, that come with this job. <laughs> Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's still a pretty cool job, Matt. Pretty cool job. We're working right now, just in case anyone's wondering. I'm collecting a salary for this. Yeah. Um. I. Uh, so I I do this thing. I don't know if you've ever done this thing where I get frustrated with my job and then I start daydreaming about other jobs that I could yeah. have. They always and, uh, end at five o'clock, and you get to go home, and work never follows <laughs> right. you home. That's the, <laughs> yeah. You but, never uh, work a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then I told, and then I was I was talking to Chris about it. And of course, um, my wife, being an intelligent person, was like, "So you want to blow up our life uh, because you got because you got frustrated about something?" And I was like, "Well, you told me like I should find a different job." And she was like, "Yeah, that's because I don't want you to be a pastor anymore. It's it's too intense." But it doesn't mean I want to move like three thousand miles away. I was like, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> 3,000 miles. Listeners, put it together. Where's Matt moving? A 3,000-mile radius of Los Angeles. No, actually, I just picked a random number. Oh, okay. Well, you can, you, you can, can still... still... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No. This job sucks. <laughs> Are we an hour in yet? Have we, uh... Have we We're just 20 minutes in. Just 20 minutes in. Oh. Which, which may make it uh, T4T, I don't know. T4T. So, Zach, we're, uh, we're in the season of Easter. That's right. Uh, Gospel last week, of Mark. We tried to blow through three Sundays in a row, and uh, it started off well. And then we got tapered off. But it's not entirely our fault, uh, because these texts kind of suck. I don't really understand why, like... Like, you know, like Lent year A, you just get these phenomenal stories. Why don't we get, like, good stories in Easter? I don't understand. I mean, even, like, like what if you were to take the vigil stories and just do, like, those on Sundays? You don't even Easter? get Old Testament for this. Right? No, you don't. You get Acts. But the thing, too, about Acts, you don't even necessarily get the good stories in Acts. You get, like, preaching about the stories. I don't want you to talk about the stories. Like, just tell me the story. You know, like, then I'll talk about it in my sermon. So now, instead of getting the actual story, you're going to get it third hand for me because I'll be talking about the person who was talking about the story. Like, what? I just don't, like, who put this together? Where is Kevin Strickland? Kevin. <laughs> so, yeah. So, anyway, that's what you get from Acts. And then you get these things from John's Gospel that get, like, increasingly like arcane like less fewer and fewer stories more and more jesus talking in circles and sure like we could unpack it and stuff like we yeah like we can do it i know i'm just saying like i don't understand why like we can't get better stories i just don't get it I'm it's easter you. come on yeah maybe a bone for us to pick uh with uh, the lectionary makers with kevin strickland in particular is is perhaps the lack of old testament readings Easter is a part of the reason people can't see Jesus in the Old Testament. Because um, we don't 
ever have the opportunity to preach Jesus in the Old Testament during Easter. Well, what do you do with Acts? Where would you fit? Because this is the only time we get Acts, right, is during the Easter season. Because it's not, it's not in the Old Testament. It's not an epistle. It's not a gospel. When else do we get it? It should be an ordinary time kind of thing. It should be post-Pentecost, right? Post-Pentecost. We just, where would you put it? Well, you know, somewhere. I'd probably have to read it first before I put it anywhere. But <laughs> Acts will be the first book that we do on our uh, Are You Talking Acts? Um, are You Acts yeah. the Fool? I mean, it is It is weird. I, I like Acts. There's a lot that happens in it. But uh, you're right. It is weird. Like, why would you choose the Easter season to somehow drop it? Like, that seems super sessionist. But, Matt, we got to... Um, we got to do it. We got to talk about it anyway. We got to talk about it anyway. And good news, Matt. Uh, as we look to the summer, as we look to ordinary time, uh, we get to start explaining incredibly agrarian metaphors for a non-agrarian society. <laughs> sheep, Fantastic. bread, millstones, sheep, and more sheep. I'll tell you what we're going to do. Uh, sometimes we talk about what we're up to in our congregations. And I think so. So this year, St. Mark's is uh, starting the reconciling in Christ conversations. Mm. I know we're super late to this game, um, but uh, but some communities are like that. In any case, we are finally tackling it this year. And I want to get something started before the summer, right? Because once the summer hits, you're not going to do anything, and then it's the fall. And so, like, I feel like I need to preach about it before the summer hits. So Easter season, right? What's a better time than like the newness that Easter brings? So I'm really, I'm thinking about uh, queer theology, which I know nothing about, <laughs> but I'm thinking about this in the context of this Easter season and what it has to say, uh, what it has to say to us. Um, so that's kind of the, that's one of the lenses that I'm bringing uh, to bear in this Easter season is what, what difference does Easter make, right? What difference does it make in our communities? What difference does it make in our world? And maybe these texts have something to say about it, even if they're agrarian. If I know anything about South Los Angeles, Matt, it's that the people of South LA love a good sheep metaphor. <laughs> That's I why they're home sheep. to the Rams. Boom! <laughs> is a ram a sheep? Is that, what it, is that what that is? It's a male sheep. Did you know that? Ram is a male sheep? Well, we got to get into thing? the text. Yes. Someone look this up. Wait, is this, is this an episode of... Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, Matt, wait a second. I think you're right. I think this might be an episode of Let's Go Through the Sheep, uh, which is important to this. That could be a recurring thing. I mean, this is the Bible. Yeah. No, we've started it. Let's Go Through the Sheep. Did you know, Matt, that uh, even in the Middle East today, in Arabic, there is a bewildering set of categories for sheep. Uh, they separate. They have different names for them by gender. Uh, a ram is a male. The ewe is female. Lamb is uh, oh. uh, a little non-ready-to-breed one. Uh, well, they have breeding ability. They separate them as fertile and barren. Age. There's a special word for, in Arabic for sheep. They're one to six months old. Uh, a different one for seven to twelve months old. One to two, three and older. There's a whole thing about time of birth. Summer lambs and like winter lambs. Oh, also spring lambs that are born in February or March. They have different words for a different colored sheep. This is like the legend about Eskimos in snow, right? There's white sheep, black sheep, black sheep with white spots, blue black face sheep, black face sheep, white sheep with black face and neck, black spotted face sheep, brown with white nose sheep, brown headed sheep, brown and white spotted face sheep, brown and black face sheep, gray headed sheep. 
gray-headed sheep last, elderly, uh, elderly uh, decrepit. Uh, a different word for all of these different categories of sheep, Matt. That's the sheep. We did it. I think we went through all the sheep, unless you have more sheep to add. No, I think I think we got it. That's a, that's a good up. That's a good up of let's go through the sheep. All right. Are we back? We're, We're back. back. We're back. We're back. Time that's for the text. That's actually, that's actually, that could actually be uh, kind of fruitful, though. That could actually be really fruitful because Jesus goes on to talk about how there's going to be one flock. And we sometimes think about sheep in, like, one way, right? We've got this, like, fluffy white sheep that we always get in Easter time and, like, put in the Easter cards and all this nonsense. But, like, if actually sheep are a pretty diverse uh, kind of animal, mm-hmm. you're going to talk about one flock, you can do some pretty interesting things with uh, community. You might can make, like, a dog comparison, right? Um... I imagine uh, that our understanding of dogs, this is, this, is, this is a stretch, our understanding of dogs is closer to their, to the ancient Near Eastern understanding of sheep than their understanding of dogs are, if that makes sense. I'm guessing to them a dog was a dog, whereas I have a Chawini at home, a Chihuahua Dachshund mix. Uh, you can, we are all familiar, we watch the Westminster Dog Show of the infinite number of breeds. Um, and yet Jesus is saying one flock, one herd, uh, one, gosh, we're going to dad this episode, one Paw Patrol, right? Um, all the breeds together. <laughs> one Paw Patrol. Under one Paw. Is your kid in the Paw Patrol? No, no, she's not. But I'm, yeah, I'm now in that world, started. and now I'm in that universe, so I, I know the, ling- the lingo, right? She is super into puppies. Puppies. Mm. Any dog is a puppy to her, but gotcha. super into it. We watched a terrible YouTube series called Super Cooper Sunday where this weird gamer YouTuber on Sundays makes videos with his golden retriever. YouTube. I mean, <laughs> when my net, it's, I think it's an episode of YouTube, uh, whatever we're talking about on YouTube, children's programming on YouTube. Uh, Cause my brother was here with, uh, with my nephews uh, a couple weeks ago and he like, like they started to get upset at a restaurant. So he gave him the tablet, you know how it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, they go on YouTube and there are like YouTube videos of just like trains. Like just running, yeah. They're you know, like for kids to watch, and they're like, and then they get like super into it. What? Wait, Matt. Wait a second. <laughs> Is this another episode of Dead Chella? <laughs> Dead Chella. I know it's true. It's true. Dead so you're Chella. telling me here on Dead Chella that there are YouTube videos of trains just running. Is what you're saying? Trains, trains running. That is incredible. Matt, uh, another dad cella item is, I think the good Lord, I'm not much of a of a traditional uh, prayer, you know, but I do the whole thing. I get on my knees uh, next to my bed every night uh, to thank sweet baby Jesus for the Rockabye album of the Beatles because it is freaking magic. Uh, my daughter today was screaming in the car because she wanted to run fast and did not want to get in the car and go to school because she wanted to run fast. Um I started playing, I switched over from a podcast that I was really enjoying personally. She didn't seem to care for it. Uh, to Rockabye, uh, which is a lullaby version of Beatles in Starts With Yesterday. And boom, knocked her out cold. It's just instantly, just instantly. Rockabye Beatles. Wow. Mm-hmm. Rockabye has a bunch of different options. I think we've talked about it before in the podcast. They do. Yeah. do you, is there a Rockabye Monkeys? Tragically, no. Tragically, no. Wait <laughs> a second. Well, I think that's been uh, another episode of uh, Dad Chilling, the podcast. Good, good, good up. Good up. So we don't actually talk about the text or just sheep, because uh, this is a Good Shepherd Sunday is what they call it. Jesus all pastor, 
Your after worship snacks should definitely be tacos. There should be a spit. Depending on your preferences, a pineapple or an onion on top of the spit with roasted pork sliced and falling off, slowly cooking deliciously. Uh, of the shepherd, of the pastor, uh, I'm the good shepherd. And he just kind of talks about what a good shepherd does. It's really seems to me, I don't think there's a lot here, to be honest. Um, so here's something, uh, here's something odd in the text. I'll problematize it uh, for a moment. So he's got this thing about one flock, uh, one shepherd. Uh, and that's a fun one. You could run with that a little bit. But he says this thing. He, so he goes, I am the good shepherd. The hired hand's going to leave the sheep uh, and run away. Okay, that's bad, obviously. Mm-hmm. But the good shepherd instead is going to just lay down and die. Yeah. Wait, what? It doesn't say, like, you would think, like, he'd be like, the good shepherd is going to take up that uh, staff. And, and kick ass. Beat the, yeah, beat the shit out of that wolf. Like, that's what that's what the, the good shepherd's going to do, right? But that's not what he says. He mm. says he's going to lay down. Well, then once he's dead, like, what's going to happen to the sheep? Like, it doesn't, like, the metaphor mm-hmm. is weird. It's actually weird the way that he runs with it. And then he somehow um, describes that uh, as power, right? Mm -hmm. I have the power to lay it down and the power to take it up again. Um, So I don't know if this will lead anywhere. It'd be nice if we planned out our podcast with an outline (laughs) or something, but uh, usually we're just speaking off the cuff. (laughs) But I was... uh, I was getting frustrated with uh, one of our church's neighbors this week, uh, and Chris Chris described it to me. I was like, I'm really frustrated because I feel like I can't change this. And she said, Well, it's because they have all the power. Like they have power. You don't you don't have power. And I was like, Damn it! Like, yeah, that is like that is really frustrating. And it's probably how most people that are not white males feel in all kinds <laughs> of situations. <laughs> I only experience it a small fraction of the time. It is so frustrating that one <laughs> one time a year when I feel powerless. Gosh. Right? That is a bummer. <laughs> oh, God. It's great when uh, your wife shows you what an idiot you're being. But, um, but, he, but, but it's interesting the way he talks about power here. Like, it's also this really is there a kind of power that we don't usually think about power? And that's the kind of power that a good shepherd has. I think in this kind of a text, on one hand is super familiar, but then also kind of like the worst parts of John where he's like, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd does this. I am the good shepherd, good shepherd, good shepherd, good shepherd. And it's easy to get lost. You're looking for kind of like handholds. Uh, I think that's a good line. I have, that's a strange, like it's a, it's a, you should stop and sit for a moment with the idea that you, that you have to have power to lay down your life in particular. I think the another sheep fact, Matt, uh, we're going to dive back into sheep facts. Uh, thanks to our good friends, uh, Melina and Rorba, uh, is that most shepherds in the uh, in that part of the world uh, don't lead their sheep at the front. They walk from behind. They lead, they follow their sheep mm. more than like take that, like what we might consider. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, so perhaps right, some Church symmetry would be that in our processions, most of the time, the most honored person uh, processes in last. With that whole, there's a kind of thing going around some circles, a leadership book that talks about how wolves lead from behind as well. Like the strongest wolf uh, is at the back because that's where the, the pack of wolves will be attacked and stuff. Um, so maybe you could read that into this if that's a thing that makes sense to you. I mean, it's agape. This is just agape. Like, I think you got a couple things going on. One, it's metaphor or parable window into what this agape self-giving love could look like. Two, there's um, some talk in the commentaries that 
that in John, in particular, the divisions between the followers of Jesus and the Judean authorities is particularly stark. And so talk of insiders, outsiders, which is what we have here, uh, is a way of kind of rallying the sheep and especially to help the folks on the periphery, not the insiders, um, against being tempted by the Judean authorities. And I had a three, yeah. but I forgot. So. What did you say more about the insider-outsider thing? Uh, Robert Molina talk about it, that, well, shepherd is an image that was used very often to describe kings, even though we know socioeconomically it was a lower-class uh, profession. It wasn't a, a, a good thing. And yet they still talked about their kings in that way. Um, the primary expectation that folks had of kings was protection. And so it was always to protect you from somebody else, from an outsider. So the promise of protection here, you're going to be a good shepherd, like a good king, is to protect the sheep. Uh, and so you raise a good point that this doesn't sound a lot like protection. Um, and that's where I'm going to connect it to where, where I might be interested in taking it. Is it another sheep fact? Gosh, this could have just been sheep facts the whole episode. <laughs> is it sh- uh, Your job as shepherd was not just to protect the sheep. Uh, from outside threats, but to like care for them. Uh, and sheep most often are injured by their own fault. You probably have heard in an agrarian sermon somewhere that sheep are incredibly dumb. And so most of the time when they get hurt, it's because they've hurt themselves. Um, and I think that might be a bit of the window in um, that when you say Jesus is going to lay down his life, who's going to protect us now? With the kind of assumption that there's an outsider that we need to be protected from. Uh, and so the mystery of this is somehow that Jesus laying his life down might be the way that he protects us from ourselves. Well, and then maybe think about, because he does say, like, there's a wolf that comes, and that's part of the metaphor. But maybe you think about, um, in the same way that we had the the water is within you, uh, maybe the wolves are within us, too. Mm. Play, play yeah. with this metaphor. Start to twist it a little bit. Um, maybe the wolves are within us. Wolves well in sheep's clothing? Right. Oh, What? Oh, oh. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got that line, too. I have other sheep, this line that doesn't make a lot of plain sense, uh, but invites yeah. us deeper into the mystery. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold, but I must bring them also. Um, maybe he's just talking about Judeans and Gentiles, but um, one flock. One flock. One flock. One waka flock of flame. <laughs> Oh God! Is he going to be on this playlist? <laughs> I don't think so. I have a I have a theme oh, for my playlist. Yeah, you got some stuff you can uh, you can talk about there. Um, there's some similar um, there's some similar themes. Uh, I mean, if you were going to run with First uh, John at all, if you want to look at the epistle at all, um, there's a lot of love in there. It sounds like you two's uh, newest album, where half of the songs have love in the title. It is all over this gospel. Um, it's also kind of weird. This gospel continually refers to the reader as little children. Mm-hmm. which uh, you might be into or might be like, that is so condescending. <laughs> um, but then uh, but then in Acts, uh, we get that this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, and it has become the cornerstone. Um, and you could connect up that, I think, to some of this insider-outsider stuff. The, the authorities ask Peter, by what power uh, did you do this? And we were talking about power a little bit in the gospel. Um, yeah, there's some themes that I think you could run with through some of these texts. Yeah. Well, incredibly patronizing. There is a lovely little uh, line in this first John that I like, uh, verse 20. And by this we know that we are from the truth and will reassure our hearts before him whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts. 
Ooh, how about that for you, for all yeah. you, all you fours out there who feel all the feelings in your heart. Uh, sometimes your hearts condemn us and God is greater than our hearts, which might go into, I mean, God, I freaking hate the Enneagram. Why is it luring me in? <laughs> right. Uh, for, for us, uh, unique individuals, uh, define ourselves over and against everyone else, uh, Maybe our hearts condemn us uh, from and separate us from the oneness that God and bonobos hold for us. God and bonobos. Same same person. Well, uh, have we have we covered the text? Should we move on to the songs? You got more to say? I think. Well, you got good news. You got good news in this. Oh my! Do I have to have good news? <laughs> I think that's literally the only thing you have to have, according to the Reverend Doctor Bishop Craig Satterley. Oh, the Craig Satterley Memorial. Uh, good news. <laughs> do you know what else I wish we could do with these texts? So, uh, the way in John Green's uh, Anthropocene Reviewed, where he gives, like, everything two stars. Yeah. Can we give, can we give this text Let's, two and a half stars? <laughs> you know, we should copy all these things from the podcast, but maybe what we should do is not talk about it on an episode, how we're stealing from other podcasts. Uh, but I like it. I like it. Uh, text this week. How many stars do you give it, Matt? Two stars? I mean, I feel like these Easter texts, we're going to give up pretty low, pretty low ratings. I, uh, first week of sheep this year, I'm going to give it two and a half stars because there are a lot of fun sheep facts. It's true. I was, I would have gone like one and a half, but after the sheep facts, mm -hmm. it bumped it up. It gave it a full extra star in my book. Right. They hurt themselves. Who knew it? Also, I'm really excited for our new podcast, Sheep Facts. <laughs> sheep Facts. Also, sheep spent the night in caves oftentimes. So if you're looking for uh, Easter connections, resurrection stuff, empty tomb, caves, all that so kind of much. stuff. We are shepherded into that cave with Jesus. Hey, that's a pretty, that's good news. Jesus shepherds us into the into the cave of new life, into the empty tomb. Uh, my good news, Matt, is uh, e pluribus unum, as the old, uh, old United States uh, motto is, out of many, one. I think the oneness is good news. I think it is. I'm... I'm I recognize that there's nuance you got to go with and stuff. Differences matter and all that. I think I'm going to go with that. I was going to say that my good news was this, there will be one flock. But I think I'm going to flip it around and use that. Um, the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, mm -hmm. has become the cornerstone. Because I think it actually says, uh, in some ways, says the same thing, but gives it a different emphasis. That it's not a matter of, like, everything being flattened or assimilated, but actually the outsiders being brought in and turning everything uh, upside down. Mm -hmm. I like it, Matt. I like it. So what are you listening to this week, Matt? So yeah, here's what I'm listening to. I've, uh, I'm working on the Coachella Hallmark, but I'm not going to include those uh, yet. I'm going to save most of them for next week. Uh, but I'm going to kick off with, uh, with Tom Petty's I Won't Back Down because I think that's what the Good Shepherd is singing, even though he... Uh, Completely back down? He, he lays down his life, which is different from backing down. I think it's different from that. It's like falling forward. <laughs> <laughs> it, it reminds me of uh, outside of Folsom Field, the football stadium here in Boulder, Colorado, <laughs> is a giant statue of a buffalo. And a part of the, the campus lore is that the buffalo faces to the east uh, because that's where Nebraska is. Uh, and they used to be our big rivals. And I'm trying to talk. Uh, maybe you want to jump in, Matt. Listeners, you want to jump in. I'm trying to go. Uh, Colorado plays at Nebraska for the first time in forever. Uh, and I'm trying to talk Adam into going with me to Lincoln uh, to make that happen. But I'm all about that. Wow. That's, a, that's a fun fact that I like. 
the, the Ralphie faces to the east because that's where Nebraska is. But Ralphie's laying down. <laughs> the sculpture is a laying down buffalo looking. Well, laying down is different ready. from backing down. It's clearly, clearly. Two, different, two different things. I appreciate the new also, perspective. Also, you can be our you you. Well, it's Colorado and Nebraska can't be rivals because Colorado is in the West Coast Pac-12 and Nebraska's in the Midwest. Big. T- I just don't understand how does yeah, that work? They, you guys are on opposite sides of the country. Yeah, I don't understand either. It's. <laughs> Football conferences are really logical. So, um, the other song that I had to listen to was one, uh, which uh, the one by you two, uh, not two. Which one? Not three, but one. But instead of just using the classic, the classic version, which which is a pretty incredible song. If you've never seen the documentary From the Sky Down, uh, where they tell the story of this how this song was written, it's it's pretty good. Uh, but uh, I'm gonna use a cover. I was looking for the cover by Damien Rice, but it was not on Spotify. Um, I guess it was a special like one-off release somewhere else. Um, so I think I'll use uh, the cover by Mary J. Blige, which is actually kind of a duet between Mary J. and, and you two. Uh, but she blows them off the stage. It's pretty <laughs> incredible. So despite this song being called One, uh, Mary J. says, uh, no, we're not one. I'm going to blow you off the stage with my incredible singing chops. So you two, uh, One. Uh, for the one flock, one shepherd. And then, uh, yeah, not a Coachella artist, uh, Jean-Michel Jarre, this like French artist. I just, I was just reading about him in uh, the desert. I think it's the desert sun, whatever the Coachella Valley newspaper is recommending (laughs) some uh, artists you may not have heard of. Uh, And the song is called as one. It is on Spotify and it's pretty fascinating because it starts off the first minute is like super boring. And I'm like, I don't know if I can hang with this. And then the thing just takes off at about a minute and 10 seconds. Uh, so Jean-Michel Jure, uh, French artist with uh, As One, getting us ready for Coachella. Love it, Matt. Love what are you listening to? Love, love Tom Petty. Um, Matt, I'm doing the exact opposite of you. This is my uh, Coachella homework uh, the podcast. So I've got nothing but, nothing but nothing Coachella but. artists. I think it might be some good ones. Matt, uh, there's an Aurora in Illinois. But there's also an Aurora in Colorado. And there's also an Aurora, it turns out, at Coachella. And they've got a song called Running with the Wolves. Whew, maybe this story is a bit of a warning that the wolves might be already in and among us. Maybe I'm the wolf. Uh, I'm running with the wolves tonight. There's blood on your lies. Disguise opened wide. There's nowhere for you to hide. The hunter's moon is shining. I'm running with the wolves tonight. It's I'm running with the wolves tonight. Bye. Aurora. 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 I always wanted to be two double R's. Aurora. Uh, but shepherds, man. Shepherds do a lot of things. And one of the things they do, uh, it's just in the job description. It's right there. When you go uh, to ZipRecruiter and you're a shepherd, which reminds me of my website that's still in production called... Uh, uh, BedouinsOnly.com. Um, Zip recruiter for, for ancient Near Eastern shepherds. Uh, shepherds are the last to leave. Uh, Lewis, the child, has a song called Last to Leave. I'm the last to leave the party. I don't know when it's time to go. Uh, oof, being the outsider. Lots of things there. Lots of things there. Lewis, the child, last to leave. And That's fa- fantastic. I've never heard, I've not heard of either of those. See, Coachella, it's all about discovery. It's all about discovery. All about discovery. What's what's your what's your what's your third song? Third song, last one, Matt. Ultimately, this is a song about belonging. Um, in Cash Cash and Dashboard Confessional, I got a song called "Belong," because you belong with me, and I belong with you, and you belong with me, and I belong with you, and I belong with 
I belong with you. Uh, chorus is basically stolen completely from the Gospel of John. Uh, it's belong by Cash Cash and Dashboard Confessional. And Dashboard Confessional? Yes. What? Yeah. So it's Cash Cash that's going to be there, though, not Dashboard Confessional, right? Uh, I think so, yeah. I was going to get all excited that we were going to go emo. Uh, maybe Cash Cash is emo? Maybe. By themselves? That's probably true. Oh. Fantastic. Good stuff. Good playlist. Good stuff. Matt. Yeah. Exciting announcements to make. Since the last podcast aired, we have got a real live place on the internet where you can go to see and learn about things. Uh, it's called thevinylpreacher.com. It's a real live website uh, with stuff and information, details about upcoming live shows. It's where you're going to be able to buy that sweet, sweet merch that's coming out uh, this summer. Uh, all that kind of stuff. It's where you can email us uh, and, and submit your comments and questions and say you guys are literally the worst RCL podcast in the internet. Uh, <laughs> how else are we going to know unless you visit the website? Visit the website. Uh, review us on iTunes so that we can take down Matt Skinner uh, and deny his family <laughs> sustenance. But that's all I got, Matt. I'll see you uh, in a couple hours. <laughs> In a couple hours, true, truth, truth. All right. Well, it's uh, it's been real. It's been real, Varn.